Hey everyone, Happy New Year and welcome back to the Woofing Possum Podcast. This is episode 35 and we're going to be talking all about ABCs. But before we dive into that, I just want to say another massive thank you to everyone for listening last year. I hope you're looking forward to all the episodes that are to come this year. I hope you enjoyed whatever festive celebrations, if any, that you took part in. And for now, let's get back on to learning more about our dogs with the Woofing Possum Podcast. Okay folks, so the ABCs of dog training. Well actually ABCs, um, they're, they're actually used across multiple disciplines but they're all ultimately to do with behaviour. So if you work in teaching, if you work in care, if you are a coach or a tutor, um, if you a bit like me, like geeking out about kind of psychology, sociology etc, you may have come across ABCs before. But you may have also come across them if you've worked with a trainer or behaviourist. So firstly, what do they stand for? Well, A is antecedent, B is behaviour, and C is consequence. And it's a model that's used um, for many different reasons, and it's used in conjunction with many other models in uh, in behaviour. But it's one of our kind of guiding principles, especially when it comes to dog training, when we're trying to help build some what we would call operant conditioning and what I mean by that is is where effectively we're teaching skills so we're going to ask our dog to do something when they do it we're going to go back to that kind of mark and reward so it's kind of this really foundation steps that we will all go through to help teach our dog new things now they will start to use us themselves and they will start to put two and two together and make up their own kind of pattern of ABCs but what I want to do is to give you a few examples and dive a little bit into what the ABCs might look like in the real world for you with your dog so you can start to maybe even reflect on existing behaviours and skills that your dogs might do or how you might apply it to those that you may wish to learn in the new year. So antecedent, the A part of the ABC. This is basically kind of what happens before. So what we're looking for is is there a trigger, an environment, a word, a sound, a visual stimulus that takes place to indicate to the dog that they are going to be doing a particular behaviour? Obviously B is that behaviour. Now again with behaviour in this context it might be like I say a skill. So it might be something like a sit for example. And then that C, that consequence. Now, if you're like me, the word consequence usually has quite a negative connotation because, you know, if you do something wrong, there'll be consequences. But that's not how it's used in this model. Consequence, funnily enough, going a little bit back to language in our last episode, the C, the consequence, is very much about kind of then what happens. So after the A bit, I do the B bit, and then what happens afterwards? Good, bad, indifferent. And that's what the consequence means in that section. So to bring this to life a little bit, there's a couple of really simple kind of human examples for us that we could use to kind of explain this. So if you're a driver of a vehicle, you're driving along and you see a stop sign. So you stop at the car, so you you stop the car at the stop sign, and therefore as a result of stopping your car, you're able to, you know, kind of check out where you are, check the junction out, and proceed without obviously being involved in a, any kind of accident. So the A, the answer, the A, the antecedent part of this is you seeing the stop sign. So that's the bit that happens before the behaviour, which is you stopping the car. 
and the consequence of you doing that action means that therefore you're not going to be inadvertently involved in a crash or an accident. So that's kind of that ABC model kind of in action in the real world and we do it all the time. Another real simple one is it might be simple as if you've got children you might ask a child to pick up the toys and put them back in the toy box and the child then might go and pick up those toys put them in the toy box and then you might give them a cuddle tell them they're amazing go and get a cookie out the jar whatever it might be but there's a kind of sequence of events that take place so with our dogs it's very very similar so when we're looking at that ear the antecedent and we're going to keep this really simple for this episode guys so i'm going to use a few examples some really kind of basic things that a lot of us will teach our dogs that will kind of hopefully bring this a bit more to life for you so the ear if i i'm going to use an example of teaching my dog to kind of lay down so i want to imagine that my dog we've gone through that process my dog knows how to lay down and i've added a cue to that lay down so the cue might be the word down so me and my dog were in the living room i say the word down which is the ear the antecedent so my dog knows that if i hear that sound there's a, a, a behavior expectation that follows so Greg says down and then my dog lies down so that's the behavior so my dog is lying down and there's a consequence to doing that which if you're anything like me and you're training positively it will be a food reward a toy reward a cuddle some verbal praise whatever it might be so that is that kind of ABC model in action with our dogs now often when we teach things with our dogs we can get very focused on the ear and the ear that that antecedent part being that verbal cue you know the down sits waits leaves drops whatever it might be heal whatever word you want to put to it and with a lot of clients especially in classes when we first start talking about these kind of abcs i don't actually refer to them as the abcs funnily enough but what i do talk about is the first thing we want to teach is that behavior and the consequence part the b and the c bit because our dogs don't speak our language so whatever sounds i make whatever visual things i do with my hands or my body they're kind of there's no context to them so what i want to teach first is the behavior and i want to teach that by using that positive consequence that positive reinforcement so going back to that down example when we're teaching it my dog's never really done a down or does a down when they choose to and not when i ask them to then what I might do is start to lure them into that down. So I've got a piece of food and I'm kind of guiding them with that food an inch or so away from their nose into that down position. So I'm not saying anything at this point. We're just wherever it is that we're training and I'm helping Pooch learn how to get their body into that position of lying down on the mat or the floor, or the carpet, whatever it might be. And every time they do that successfully, I'm going to mark them and then the, the consequence, the reward is going to be that bit of food that I've got in my hand. And without delving into the mechanics of luring very quickly, I'd be getting rid of the food out of my hand, kind of still guiding my dog down with the kind of visual movement of my hand and then rewarding when they adopt the position of lying down. Now what's actually happening here is that movement of my hand is becoming the air part. That's becoming the antecedent. So my dog sees me make that gesture with my hand and then they go, oh, that means if I put my whole body on the floor, I get a bit of chicken or whatever it might be. 
So even though in class I'm very much focused on we're going to help our dog learn the behavior of lying down and we're going to give them that fantastic positive base consequence, that reward when they do it, what we're actually doing is already implementing a little bit of that air, a little bit of that antecedent, which is that movement of my hand and my arm as I lure my dog into position. Now, a lot of us may use those what we would call a visual cue. So that gesture, that movement of my hand is the antecedent, and I would call that a visual cue. So I don't call these antecedents in day-to-day -day life, guys. They tend to be cues. And in that instance, the movement of my hand is visual because that's what my dog's looking at. However, lots of us will want to use verbal cues. So those words, the sits, the downs, the weights, the beds, the cells, whatever it might be that you want to use. Now, we are vocal creatures, humans. And it's really quite interesting if you're ever in a classroom environment or if you're ever watching people with their dogs, you will see we like to talk to them a lot. Now, funnily enough, what we end up doing often is flooding the air with lots and lots of noise and kind of devaluing the words or the sounds that we're using to help kind of guide and indicate to our dog what it is we would like them to do. Which is why I don't focus on the verbal side of this in class. It's very much about let's teach the behavior first, let's give them some positive rewards when they achieve the behavior. And inadvertently, we are creating this visual antecedent, that visual cue by the movement of my hand. And once I know the dog is starting to get really good following my hand, and again, I've got rid of the lure, but that's for a different podcast. But as I get really good following the visual part of my hand, what I'll then ask my students to do is to then start to say the word, that verbal cue, before they move their hand. So in this example, I would say down, then I would kind of guide my hand in the same pattern that I had been to train the behavior, my dog lies down, I mark them and they get an amazing food reward as a result. And dogs, because they're very smart, what they will start to do is pair the sound of that word down and the visual cue that they've already been responding to together. And because dogs are often much quicker than us, what they will start to do is as they hear the sound through enough repetition, they will start to just predict what's coming. So I know what happens. I hear that word down. That means Greg's going to do that wavy thing with his hand where he points to the floor. And if I lie down and drop my whole body to the floor, he's going to tell me I'm amazing and give me a favorite bit of salmon pate or whatever it's going to be. So I can start to add different ears, different antecedents to the same behavior. So hopefully you follow along, guys. So for this example, what we've got now is a visual cue. So that's my gesture of my hand, my arm in the way that I've been training the down. And I've also got that verbal cue. So the words in this instance would be that down that I've asked my dog to do. Now these ABCs happen all over the place, often many times without us even realizing. So for example, are you one of the people who like to use that W word before you go out? So you kind of go walkies and your dog loses their mind and starts getting all really super excited. Um, and then you've kind of having a kind of manage that excitement as you get them ready to go out for the walk. And what's actually starting to happen is almost an element of this ABC model. So your dog has learned the antecedent, so using that W word, the consequence of you saying that word often means we get to go outside and have fun. So the B in this aspect or this example is actually my dog getting all excited. 
Now that may or not be a behaviour I, I might want or desire in that in that example, but it's what you often will see. So the trigger for the behaviour is that word, that word walkies. Then your dog gets all excited, super giddy, starts dancing around, barking, jumping, whatever it might be that they do when they get excited. And the consequence of them doing that behaviour is then obviously getting to go outside. Now, there's so many examples of these, and I'm probably going to... I'm trying to think if I've done this on a podcast before. I probably have. Um, but a great example of this ABC happening for me, without me even realising, was with my older boy, Hugo, and a pot of chewing gum. So I had a routine that I honestly wasn't consciously aware of. So what I used to do is, before I was about to take him out for a walk, I would head to a cupboard in the kitchen where I kept a little plastic pot of chewing gum and I would get a piece of chewing gum out. So that I'd open the cupboard, obviously there'd be a rattle sound that came with uh, with me taking a piece of chewing gum out of that pot and then I would go about starting to get ready. So that might be, I might nip to the loo, I might get my boots, my jacket, then I might go and get his harness and his lead. But he would be excited before I started doing the obvious things like grabbing my boots, grabbing my jacket, grabbing the lead, he would already be excited to go out. And it was amazing. I thought he was just like psychic because he just knew that weirdly every time I was about to go out before I'd even started getting ready, he already knew. And it took a while, but it was this pot of chewing gum. So what he'd learned, there was always this very predictable sequence of events that if he saw the air, so the rattle of the chewing gum in the pot, that meant that we were going to get to go outside. And therefore his excited behaviour would kick in in anticipation for obviously getting to go out on his walk. So your dogs will kind of use this ABC model a lot in their life. And if your dog is doing something that is less desirable, try and have a look at it through this ABC lens, through these ABC eyes. So... If your dog, I'm trying to think of a good example here, but um, gets so excited they start jumping up and you're not a big fan of the jumping up. There might be a big dog or a strong dog or maybe it's just a dog where you don't really want them jumping up at you. And it's quite a common experience, quite a common what might even be classed as a problem for some people. So my job as a trainer when I go into that environment is I very much focus on the air. So the behavior is the bit that's causing the problem. So I spend a lot of time trying to figure out the air. And we will say things like, a popular catchphrase of mine is prevention is better than cure. So if I know what the trigger is, what the air is in this model for that dog, the first thing I need to do is is tackle the air. Because me dealing with the behavior, it is stemming from what happens before the behavior. And this is where a lot of us can get really kind of focused and struggling on. So when our dogs do something, and obviously for me, I want to promote the good stuff. So when my dogs do the good behavior, so the B in the model, whatever the A was, I want to make sure I was aware of it. And I always want to make sure they have positive consequences. So if my dog, like they are now, laid down next to me as I record this podcast, behaviorally the b in that abc model i really like that so the consequence is going to be a great bit of reward from me to my dog to acknowledge that the behavior they're doing right now is fantastic 
so I'm kind of missing a little bit of the air out. Or am I? Because what my dog will start to learn, again through good old repetition, is if every time Dad comes in the office, if I lie down next to his chair, I get told I'm amazing, I might get a nice little bit of uh, bit of food reward, a bit of his toast crust, whatever it might be, and it's a good thing to do. So every time he goes into the office, I'm going to follow him and lie down. So the A in that example is actually me going into the office. That's the antecedent. That's the bit that happens where my dog goes, oh, right, if I now do this thing, this B, this behavior, I'm going to get some good stuff off the back of it. So that's kind of the mindset I always want people to be in. However, because we're human and the way that we're programmed and the the way that we are wired, we get very focused, probably more so on the negative aspects. So if your dog is doing a behavior, So we're right in the middle of that ABC model that you are not a fan of for whatever reason. What I encourage everybody to do is start focusing on the A. Now this is hard for some people and some of the circumstances or the situations might be really hard because of our perspective. So I'm a huge fan of video recording pretty much anything I do with dogs. The reason being is when you're looking at something in the moment through your own eyes, there's lots of the air stuff that we miss. And a lot of that air stuff that we miss is often actually what our dogs are picking up on, not what we think that we're picking up on. So this is why I'm a huge fan of video recording these scenarios. So if your dog is doing something, as I mentioned, that you're not a huge fan of, Try and set your phone up somewhere. A lot of us are blessed with that ability to have a you know video capture camcordery type um, function on our smartphones these days. So set it up and film the events as best as you can. Because again, it's not usually until the behavior happens that we start to really pay a lot of attention to. And interestingly, what we then start to do is we make some potentially incorrect assumptions or observations that what led to that behavior so this is where it can get quite complicated especially when that behavior is a more emotionally driven behavior so if you want to head back to kind of the emotional states podcast episode to cover that off but if that behavior is coming from an emotional place rather than a thinking place focusing on those A's is absolutely massive And we need to do it through objective eyes. And this is where it can get very hard because you've only got ultimately your perspective during the event. And again, your point of where your focus and your attention really horns in is at the point the behavior is already happening. So the chances are there's a lot of that stuff in that antecedent part that we've completely missed or that I've only got effectively a part of the story and not the whole story. This is where filming stuff becomes massively important. And if you're working with a professional, whether that's a trainer or behaviorist, this is absolutely key. And I will often say to people, kind of so talk me through what happened beforehand. And I often will get a very kind of abridged version, but it's detail that is king for, for anyone who's working in training behavior, which is where the video comes in really, really massively because we can look and we can analyze and we can start to pick up on potentially what's happening. And this can be really, really simple things. Um, For example, 
I've worked with clients where their dog has, um, I'm sure this client won't mind me mentioning this, um, they came along to class, brilliant gentleman, he has a German Shepherd, his German Shepherd is absolutely wonderful, he spent a lot of time and effort um, kind of working with, training, building that relationship, partnership with his dog before he ever came to work with me and he just wanted to advance and go further with his training when he, when he, uh, when we started working together. So to help him practice and help his dog learn to continue all these amazing behaviours around other dogs, he came to one of the classes. And we were focusing on settle work, particularly settle work to a target, which was basically a bed or a mat or a blanket or whatever it was that we wanted to use. Uh, and this client um, uses a small piece of vet bed um, to have trained this already. So he set his little area up and proceeded to help kind of cue his dog so that antecedent part so he was using a verbal cue as well as a visual cue to um to pop his dog into position on this little piece of bed where his dog would lie down and happily smile lovingly back at him outside looking in it was really interesting because another member of the class commented on how brilliant his dog already was at this behavior and again, it, it was, you know, his wonderful German Shepherd was fantastic at doing this. However, what was interesting was the actual setup that he'd done for himself. So he had his chair in a training venue, which was kind of up against a wall, and he popped the vet bed kind of in this kind of imaginary L, if you can visualize this with me, between kind of the side of the chair and the wall. So effectively right next to his chair, up against the wall, so two sides of that vet bed, one side of it was against the chair, one side of it was against the wall, the other two sides of that vet bed were basically facing out into the uh, into the training area. And that he was instructing his dog, and his dog went into that little corner, lied down, absolutely fantastic. I asked him to move the vet bed out into the middle of the floor, and when I say middle of the floor, this was probably about a foot or two away from where he had it so basically all four sides of that um, bit of vet bed were completely accessible the dog could walk into any four sides of it and he cued the dog in exactly the same way as before and his dog headed straight to where the mat had been previously which was that little kind of imaginary corner between the wall and the chair now I, I know this gentleman personally brilliant guy and I've helped look after this German Shepherd at his home and I kind of knew the layout of his home and where the dog would usually kind of head to uh, to settle down and fully enough it was in a corner. So inadvertently what had been trained was if the handler gestured to an area and there was a corner in the area that's where the dog would go to and perform the behaviour of lying down and being marked and rewarded for it. Yet what the gentleman was hoping for is that the, the, the little vet bed target was what the dog would be actively seeking, but it wasn't, it was actually the corner. So even if you're looking to advance training, there's these little bits where the antecedent element is really important. So the antecedent in this example is actually kind of the environment itself. So yes, there was the, the cue part of the antecedent, so him asking for the dog to go and settle. Um, but the other elements of context that the dog was taking on board there was not quite what we thought it was. So we fully expected that the dog was actively seeking out the vet bed and lying down at the vet bed. And it actually wasn't the dog was seeking out a corner 
and lying down there. So it took us a little bit of kind of quick adjustment of training to start actually making the mat the target rather than the area of the room. But it's really, really interesting how these little bits of the antecedent become really important. Because if we look at it purely as did the dog know the verbal or the visual cue to lie down, 100% the dog did. Absolutely. But there was an environmental context to this ABC that the dog had picked up that we genuinely hadn't even thought about until we almost put it to the test and we tried to move that vet bed and see what result we got. And this is where a lot of us get caught out in that antecedent part because we will always start in its simplest form, you know, a word or a visual cue, dog does a thing, we mark and reward. That's kind of the very base elements of the ABC. But when we're looking at either advancing those core skills or whether we're looking at the be the behavior part of behaviors where we're you know we're not as much of a fan of them for whatever reason that might be the ear part becomes absolutely massive how our dog perceives the environment the context and what are the triggers or what are the things are those um kind of cues in the environment that our dog's picking up on above and beyond the words or the uh, kind of physical movements that we make and this is where dog training again just fascinates me and I start to geek out hugely but I'm trying not to go too off point on this particular episode but do that if you're working on something with your dog now whether it's a really simple skill I say a simple skill nothing simple but hopefully you get the inference but if I'm working on a particular skill with my dog or whether I'm wanting to improve a more advanced skill or whether there's a behavior that I want to promote or even a behavior that I'm not a huge fan of and I want to try and tackle film it and set your camera up and set it recording a good time before the event happens or you do the thing that you want to do and depending on what you're working on honestly will depend on how early in that sequence you need to uh, set that video going general rule of thumb if it's a negative behavior you probably want that camera going for a good couple of minutes before kind of the event happens or you start doing whatever it is that you're doing that would usually lead to that behavior occurring because a bit like me with the chewing gum there'll be something buried in there that you wouldn't have thought of that it's not until you watch back time and time again that you start to pick up on these patterns and start to see that there's something that was completely kind of subliminal um, or subconscious in action from either us or the environment that we completely completely miss so bit of a recap folks abc's antecedent behavior consequence it is that kind of basic chain that we will look at all of our kind of behavior or skill training with our dogs through so the a that is the environment the context or the cues that we use or that the dog will take from where they are to then drive a particular behavior and then that behavior your dog will have learned will lead to a consequence which can be positive or even negative. So if you go back an episode and listen to me talking about my absolute love of spiders, there is a very clear ABC element in how I was talking. A person walks in a room with a spider in a tank. There's the antecedent. That then solicits a behavior from me and depending on what happens for me doing that behavior will ultimately drive the consequence and therefore whether that behavior was successful in my eyes or not so 
quite extreme example, if that person appeared with the spider in the terrarium and I screamed and ran at them with a waving a chair above my head in a threatening manner, that's the behaviour, and that person ran out of the room and didn't bother me ever again, then that behaviour works. Yeah? So anytime anybody walks into a room with a tarantula in a tank, if I just scream and charge them, waving a chair above my head in a menacing manner, they will run away. So I now have a perfect ABC chain of events, and if I'm ever in that situation again, the chances are I know what behaviour is going to work, so that will be my go-to behaviour. So hopefully very quickly you can see now, guys, how this ABC model can be used in lots of different aspects, from training those kind of positions or skills that you want your dog to learn in life, right through to complex behavioural issues, that ABC model is one of the models that we will use, and it's always there in the background. So have a look. Look at what your dog does, then analyse what happens before and analyse what happens afterwards, and you can start to see is that a good thing, a bad thing, or an indifferent thing, but what were the triggers that led my dog to do that particular behaviour? And be objective with it. Analyse, and that's where the video becomes really important because you can start to remove yourself or your perspective from the situation. Okay, folks, that's it for the first episode of 2022. Thank you so much for coming back. We will dive into the ABCs a lot more again in the future. But for now, that does it for episode 35, and I hope to see you all again soon for episode 36. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Woof In Porsome podcast. As always, if you do want to get in touch, you can find us on social media. I'm at Great Paws NE, which is Great Paws NE for Northeast, on both Facebook and Instagram. You can also contact me via my website, which is greatpaws.co.uk. And you can also consume some free online courses at greatpawsgang.co.uk. Excellent. Thank you very much, folks. And we will see you soon for our next episode.